Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Now my hairy my. I'm John McDonald. Kia ora and welcome into the Hut Zone on Thursday, the second of March, our first show in autumn. The Hut Zone is Wellington Access Radio's weekly look into the stories, history, people, poems and music that make the Hutt Valley community. March is Neighbours Aotearoa Month, so tonight we talk to one of the Hutt Valley coordinators, Ange Holtzlag, to find out about this month's Let's Share theme. We hear more in our history series with Vin or Snowbench from Upper Hutt Library's archives. This week, Vin talks about his mother, including her love for music at the Upper Hutt Gospel Hall. There's a fun short story from Lower Hutt's Hamish Trollove called Trending Now, mixing the traditional cautionary tale in a today setting. And there is plenty of local music from Ison Ray, Work It, Miles Calder and the Rumours bring us Louise, and Upper Hutt's Bernie Brown performs There But For Fortune. But let's start the show with some poetry from a former Eastbourne writer. Voices of the Air by Catherine Mansfield Read by Rachel Harrison But then there comes that moment rare when, for no cause that I can find, The little voices of the air sound above all the sea and wind. The sea and wind do then obey, and sighing, sighing, double notes, of double basses, content to play, a droning chord for the little throats. The little throats that sing and rise, up into the light with lovely ease, and a kind of magical, sweet surprise, to hear and know themselves for these. For these little voices, the bee, the fly, the leaf that taps, the pod that breaks, the breeze on the grass tops bending by, the shrill quick sound that insect makes. And that was a poem from Eastbourne writer Catherine Mansfield called Voices of the Air, read by Rachel Harrison. Time for our weekly local short story. And this one is from a member of the Upper Hutt writing group. Trending now by Hamish Trollove, read by John MacDonald. The mighty cauldron stood black, silent and accusingly cold in the darkened fireplace. Cecia turned her back on it, pointedly ignoring it, and took another long sip of her gin. She didn't need that, reminding her of her hunger, the taste of steaming hot. No. She quickly turned her mind to preparing the spice rub for dinner, chimola chicken with potatoes and tomatoes, again. Tonight she was feeling it badly. 
Even preparing the chicken had reminded her too strongly how long it had been. She brushed back a tear. These last few years had been particularly hard. She tried everything. She took another long sip of her gin and slid the heavy earthenware pan into her electric oven. There was no point going through the whole rigmarole of getting the fireplace lit just for a baking pan. The chicken would take a while, so she took her glass outside and sat on the old bench to catch the dying rays of the day as the colour bled from the surrounding forest, leaving it dark and gloomy. The last rays lingered on the line of delicate marzipan flowers alongside the path, sparks of light and colour setting the sugar crystals aglow. It had taken her weeks to fashion them. Skill, pride and sugar had been poured into their creation in equal measures. Had even one child been down that path and taken a nibble of a petal? No, not a one. She took another swig of her gin and leaned back against the sun-warmed gingerbread. She closed her eyes. Nothing had worked. What was she missing? Down at the start of the track leading up to her cottage, the only attention her big new signs had attracted were from teenagers with spray paint and the local health inspector. Flyers she had distributed around the town had apparently been consigned to rubbish bins very quickly. Her much more subtle approach of dropping trails of sweets from various parts of the city to her door had resulted in complaints in the newspaper and another visit by the health inspector. The people in town had labelled her as evil, but not for eating children, but because she had tried to feed them sugar. Some even went as far as suggesting she was in collusion with the sugar industry. She shuddered at the stern telling off she'd got from the health inspector about the societal costs of high sugar diets. How was she to be a proper witch when she couldn't even attract children? In the old days, it had been easy. In the old days, there weren't anti-sugar campaigners. In the old days, you weren't shamed for giving children sweets. What else could she do? She felt like a failure. To be a witch required certain standards. You had to live in a house constructed from confectionery. You had to look old and crooked. You had to eat a child at least once a fortnight. Sasia took a sip of her gin. She was letting witchcraft down. She tried so hard over the past few years to maintain the standards and meet the expectations of her fellow witches. How many of them were still going? Agantha had given up and retired. Maritul, the mad, had died. The twins had both prettied themselves up, got into crystals, gone vegan, and called themselves Wiccan like those pretend witches some of the teenagers dressed up as. Vegan, for puck's sake. Who else was there? Cecilia pondered a while but couldn't think of anyone. She went to take another big sip of her glass but found it empty. She staggered to her feet and pushed into the darkened cottage, seeking the gin bottle. The bottle stood empty on the bench. A nice gin infused with rosemary and kaffir lime leaf suggested itself to her grasping hand as she searched the gin cupboard. She smiled, 
that should complement the robust flavours of the chamola chicken. There were still five minutes on the oven timer, so Sosia unsteadily went about setting the table and pouring herself another generous serving of gin. Steam curled and the warm scent of smoked paprika and cumin spread from the dish to fill the room. Sosia had just laid the chicken on her plate and had her fork poised for the first taste when there was a smart knock on the door. She sighed. That wasn't a child's knock. She hobbled to the door and opened it on a smiling, dark-haired young man with a clipboard. Good evening. I'm Yazan of Data to You. He displayed his identification card. How are you on this fine evening? I'm okay, thanks, Cecilia mumbled. Great to hear. I am in the neighbourhood this evening looking to connect new customers to our services. Several of your neighbours have signed on with us under our new starting offer. Cecilia raised an eyebrow and glanced past his shoulders at the darkened forest. Uh-huh. We offer unlimited broadband and super-fast speeds, all for just $20 a month with our introductory offer. What is your current provider charging you? My current provider? Internet. I don't have internet. Well, we have a special package for new entrants to the internet world. Yasan flipped through his notebook. Your first two months free and we throw in a free laptop and smartphone. Just basic specs, you understand. Enough to browse the web. I don't know. If you don't like it in your first month, we'll stop the service for you. No charge, no risk to you. Well, I don't worry. Give it a try and see how you go. Cecilia took a sip of gin and signed her name on the paper Yasan had given her. And here too, please. Cecilia signed again and cast a critical look at her handwriting. A bit wobbly, but that was just the effects of the gin. She smiled and handed the pile of documents back to Yazan. Wonderful, he stowed the papers. The installers will be around tomorrow to get you set up. Thank you and welcome aboard. The first rays of the morning found Sosia sitting at her table, rifling through the pile of papers Yasan had left behind. What on earth have I signed up for? Half of the documents made no sense to her. The other half made sense if you read them as if consulting a scrying device. With a fresh helping of porridge in front of her, she returned to deciphering the glossy documents. The first spoonful had just about made it into her mouth when there was a knock on the door. Good morning, ma'am. My name is Changaz from Data to You. How are you this morning? Fine, thanks, muttered Cecilia. I'm here to install your broadband connection and get you set up with your new laptop and smartphone. My team are busy laying the fibre and will be here soon. In the meantime, where would you like your Wi-Fi router and aunt? Cecilia suddenly realised how hungry she was. This web thing was extraordinary. The whole afternoon had disappeared in a wandering trail of links, pages and blogs. Now it was threatening to absorb her evening too. When she considered how many food blogs she had read and how many carefully composed photos of delicious-looking dishes had flown by her fascinated gaze, it was a small wonder she was feeling peckish. With a bowl of leftover potato and chickpeas and tamarind sauce for company, she continued her exploration. 
As she read more, she realised there was a lot of plagiarism between the various recipe sites, but they could all be traced to some innovative cook somewhere. To be plagiarised meant that the recipes must have been good. It all seems to be happening on a site called Instagram. Sophia felt an excitement she hadn't felt in years. She could be one of those innovators. She could see it now. Her own corner featuring her recipes, her photos. Maybe here she would find herself a new place. Sophia gazed at the button. She felt nervous. What if people didn't like it? In a way, it was a thrill. She hadn't felt like this since she was a girl trying out her first spell. For the millionth time, she reviewed her post. The spelling and grammar were perfect. The photo was crisp and clear. She was particularly proud of the photo, having a ready supply of black tablecloths, exquisitely polished silverware, and dribbly candles had made the setup easy and accentuated the colours of the capsicum and the rich darkness of the sauce. I'm doing it," she said, and clicked the post button before she could come up with another reason to delay. A couple of days went by before Cecilia dared look at her post again. With her heart in her mouth, she logged in. There was her post, and beside it some numbers. At first, the numbers did not register with her, and she stared at them dumbly. It had been viewed fifty-three times. Someone had downloaded the recipe. And she had forty-five likes, and now had two followers. There were other people out there who liked what she had to offer. She wiped a tear from her eye. This was far better than she'd expected. In her mind, a swathe of recipes jostled for her attention, bursting with the common desire of all recipes to be shared. By including citrus in the dressing, this ensures a good uptake of iron. Till next time, thanks for watching and please subscribe. Sophia gave the camera a smile and paused. Instagram had been a great start, but her followers had been very keen to see her in action and encouraged her to start a YouTube channel. Gone was the bent and crooked old lady look. Cecilia had done a research and quickly realised that smart looks, but with a large wedge of individuality, were essential for your personal branding. Now Cecilia stood straight, almost imperious. Her grey tangle of hair had been regrown black as midnight and cut to a chic bob. Her wardrobe had been replaced with sleek, long-sleeved black skivvies, black bolero jackets. And sharp black trousers, none of which ever seemed to pick up flour. She strode around to the camera and stopped recording. It was so much easier now. Her cooking with kids channel was doing well. She wondered why she had persisted with her old traditional wicked witch routine for so long. The recognition she had sought so hard. Was now a massive tide that would carry her away if she wasn't careful. She marked a section of video as fade out and scrubbed the bar back to the start of the clip. She would see how long she could run with this. Like all things, it had its own lifetime. Who knew where the future would go? This time around, she was resolved not to get trapped in expectations, but instead move and adapt as things changed. In the meantime. 
She was busy and happy. She fiddled with a pen beside her laptop. Maybe a party recipe. Some sort of finger food for her next edition. I'm John McDonald and you're in the Hut Zone on Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM and that was Trending Now, written by Lower Hut's Hamish Trolove. Time for some local music. Here's Ison Ray with Work It. Thank 
And that was Work It from Ice and Ray. Okay, time for another episode in our 2001 history series with Vin or Snowbenge from Upper Hutt Library's archives, and the interviewer is Nicola Frean. Moving on now to your mother, mm. Myrtle Hazelwood. Can you tell me where and when she was born? Yes, she was born in Upper Hutt on 5th of June 1900. Mm. Um, and she was the second child of... Uh, the second Jimmy. daughter, third child, but the second daughter here of, of uh, uh, Jim, Jimmy and uh, Ada Hazelwood. Can you start off by giving me a picture of her? What did she look like? Not re- not over tall, um, reasonably well built. <laughs> Wavy grey hair. She always had nice hair. What did she do with it? Was it long or short? No, it was um, had a roll, quite often a roll around the back of the head. The ladies used to have sort of uh, above shoulder length. Yeah, fairly typical ladies' haircut of the of the 1930s. Yes, yeah. What was her occupation? Before she was married, she worked at. Uh, Father's shop, Hazelwood's, and the office, doing accounts and things, I think, yeah. But um, she never had any other jobs. Did she like that? Did she ever mention yeah, that? Yeah, she used to enjoy that, yes, yeah. But after after she was married, she never worked together. Uh, normal those days. What sort of clothes did she wear, typically? Well, she, when she used, to, she used to dress up, the ladies used to wear suits a lot. Was it a costume suit or something, if I got the name right? Costumes. Mm. Is that, is that what do you call it? Yeah, a jacket and a jacket and skirt. Yeah, and a hat. She would go to Wellington uh, and buy a hat every uh, <laughs> every year. I suppose. Another thing she used to always have was, which you don't see very often now, was a, a fox fur oh. around the neck. Um, and when she was dressed up, she'd have a quite nice dressed up, especially with a fox fur on, with right round around the neck and over her shoulder. And what sorts of things does she dress up for? The three of us boys had uh, eyesight problems. We all had um, cross eyes when we were kids. And uh, so we had to attend a, an optical uh, optician in Wellington um, for sort of regular visits. Then we all had our eyes operated on and straightened when we were young. I had mine done when I was seven. And so we used to have to have regular trips to the specialist in Wellington and Things like that. So mum would dress up to go to Wellington, um, weddings and things like that, family weddings. Um, but the, I was thinking about this fox fur. When mum passed away, we handed it on to my youngest daughter, who still got it. Uh, she also used to wear it, uh, dress up reasonably well to go to church sometimes, sometimes in the evenings. She, she didn't go to church in the morning, but sometimes she'd go in the evenings. And uh, I remember my... Uh, my friend, when we were teenagers, uh, sitting behind her at church with the nose of this uh, fox fur hanging down behind him and him grabbing his handkerchief and <laughs> pretending to wipe its nose. <laughs> he was a bit of a hard case. Who was that? Jack Lloyd, L-L-O-Y-D. My best friend when I was a boy, we grew up, he lived just a couple of doors up the road and 
eventually in his teenage uh, came and boarded at our place. So he was my, like my brother, a bosom friend that I grew up with mm. and I'm still good friends with him today. He lives in Blenheim. Mm. But he was a real hard case of treat because he used to know mum would get, uh, and he knew <laughs> you how to get him on. He was a um, part Maori boy. <laughs> Lots of fun with Jack. Yeah. Mm. Mm. How did he come to board at your house? Well, his parents shifted away to the Wairapa, uh, to, not to the Wairapa, to Hawke's Bay. And so uh, he was doing apprenticeship as a hut, and so he came and lived at our place. But uh, when we were when we was young, I tried to learn to play the piano. <laughs> But I must, unsuccessfully, I must say. Uh, but mum was a great pianist. She loved playing. She had a beautiful piano at home that her, I think her parents had given to her for her 21st birthday, if I remember right. And I learned to play on that, or tried to learn to play on that, but I remember mum was that fussy with it. I was never allowed to touch that piano without washing my hands for nobody else was either. That was and, in, in your house? It was in our house in Henry Street, yeah. Mm. So I used to have to practice every day and my mate Jack would come down uh, wanting to go outside and play and I'd be sitting outside playing with him too and he would be belting on the front room window <laughs> while I was trying to practice and mum would be out there chasing him and telling me, get away and leave me alone while I, while I practice. But he would do it until the morning <laughs> to get mum going. He used to really have her on. Particular stories you wanted, want to put on the record about your mum? Mum was never, uh, she didn't keep very good health. She, uh, she had problems and, uh, and, uh, so that used to knock her back a bit. She had very bad varicose veins and they eventually operated on them. But those people, those days you had to just put up with things like that. But she was mighty good to us boys. Um, and she would have given us anything. Um, she sacrificed a lot for us. I know she used to go without things and, so we could have them, and uh, we appreciate that much. She was a great cook, which she got from her grandma Hazelwood. Was a, as I've mentioned before, was a marvellous. Um, giving hospitality to many people in her house at, uh, at grandma's house, and so mum had learnt that from her. And so mum gave us kids lots of things, mm. and was a selfish person, um, go without things herself, <laughs> so we could have them. And, saying, oh, I don't want any of that today, if there wasn't enough of something, you know. Um, but that's what she was like. When we were teenagers, we she sort of virtually brought us up on our, on her own, which she's got to take her hat off to. Um, she got us through colleges and got us through jobs and got us jobs and got us apprenticeships and education and just generally was a good mother to us. We, as teenagers, had a, a lot of young friends through that age group, through our church affiliation of our own group, quite a large group, and we had lots of fun times with them. And they, in turn, used to come round to home and mum always welcomed them there, fed them lots of them at times, and um, they would come round with their, one of the, one of the young chaplain and he would get Back in his piano record in the kitchen and you could just about blow the roof off the house and mum would put up with that and uh, she liked music but uh, the noise was pretty terrific and uh, we would have friends come down and they were always welcome and, and came and stayed with us although we only had a small smallish house and 
The overflow would usually finish up at Grandma's place up the street. She always had spare beds, so one was very good like that. We'd have a um, young group of our teenage friends up into our 20s. Uh, we were always welcome at home and, and received by Mum and looked after mm. her. Although she had no other interests much and she didn't go for holidays much, she used to knit gloves and socks was about her extent of her handwork, but she used to knit me mittens and things like that. And, and we used to, she used to knit us socks when we were young, or knitting socks on four needles, I can still remember doing that. So when you went away for holidays with your mm. grandparents, Hazelwood? Mm. Yeah, Mum would stay home. Um, Mum, never used to, Mum never used to come to us on holidays. I never remember her going for a holiday once into Christchurch to her cousin's place in Cheviot. It was probably about well, 1939 or so. Other than that, she just used to stay home and bring up a family. She used to, when we were young, uh, help with catering for weddings. With um, We always to uh, enjoy that because uh, it was usually on a Saturday and Mum would bring home perhaps anything left over and we'd always get up Sunday morning quick to see <laughs> what Mum had brought home from the wedding and there was usually a... Um, a bottle of fizzy drinking, uh, some nice cakes or something. Uh, so that was always quite exciting when when I'd come home for a wedding. But she did all the the, the vegetable garden. The boys used to help with the, with the garden as well. But uh, we used to go quite a few vegetables and things. She used to do a lot of um, preserving of um, peaches and things like that. One of her brothers, uh, Wilson Hazelwood, lived in. Hastings, who had a fruit farm, one of the first farmers who supported. He he uh, virtually pioneered harvesting peas by with viners that came into the paddock and chopped the peas off and potted them on the site. And he had an orchard there, and he used to send us down boxes of um, golden queen peaches, beautiful. And Mum would bottle those, and I'd help Mum with bottling peaches. At our twenty-first birthdays, which was quite a a treat in those days. Mm. Mum catered for our, our parties and put on parties for us and made great cakes and sponges and all sorts of things. So she was really good to us. Excellent, mm. yeah. She was very good to us and a very unselfish person. Would give us anything. Right to her dying day, she always used to be careful with money. Never wasted it. And one of her pet sayings was, you kids will need it one day. And we would say, we don't mum, you you have it, you bet what you want. But she didn't take much notice of us. Did she, did she play the piano? Um, what, what did she play? What sort of music? Um, she used to play quite a bit of classical music. I remember um, one of her favourites was um, Robin's Return. Some be familiar with that. Um, she used to play a lot of hymns earlier days before she was married. I guess she used to play the organ at the about gospel hall playing the hymns there so she was pianist or an organist but it didn't carry on for me <laughs> I, I didn't uh, make a very great fist of it probably was too interested in wanting to do other things although i enjoy music
I'm John McDonald, and you're in the Hut Zone on Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. And that was Vin Benj talking to Nicola Frean in 2001 on his memories of an early Upper Hut. Thank you to Upper Hut Libraries for letting us play that interview. Part 16 plays next week. Okay, time for some more music from Upper Hut's Bernie Brown. Here's There But For Fortune. Show me the prison, show me the jail Show me the prisoner whose life has gone stale And I'll show you, young man, and so many reasons why There but for fortune go you Show me the alley, show me the train Show me the hobo who sleeps out in the rain And I'll show you, young man, with so many reasons why There but for fortune go you Show me the whiskey stains on the floor Show me the drunkard as he stumbles out the door And I'll show you, young man, with so many reasons why There but for fortune go you Show me the country where the bombs had to fall Show me the ruins of the buildings once so tall And I'll show you, young man, with so many reasons why There but for fortune go you And that was Bernie Brown and their But For Fortune. March is Neighbours Aotearoa Month, where everyone living in Aotearoa is asked to get to know their neighbours a little better. And one of the Hutt Valley connectors is Ange Holtzlag. So I thought it would be neighbourly to, to chat to her and hear more about the programme. Kia ora everyone, my, my name's Ange and I am a connector for Te Awa Kairangi Lower Hut for Neighbours Aotearoa. So the theme this March is Let's Share, which is obviously a really great theme because it kind of encompasses all things neighbourly. Neighbours Aotearoa is all about kind of anything that sparks little connections between neighbours, so it's about nourishing all those relationships with those people in our streets or even in your neighbourhood or a suburb. So it's anything from people just dropping off veggies over the fence or hosting a little barbecue in a um, 
park on your street. I, I've heard of a little group in Petone that uh, somebody's decided to just have a barbecue and invite everyone on the street to that local park. It's really broad, so any little, even little intentions. So um, last year there was a lot of events around because it was the peak of Omicron. So there was quite a lot of online little intentions where people started up and more activated those little Facebook groups or little notes to their neighbours in their in their letterboxes. So anything really. Why is it important? Yeah, we all know that it's important to like have connections with people and getting to know your neighbours or just even people locally is as you can see from what's happened up north, it's really important for our response and disasters, our ways of supporting each other. And yeah, it's just it's really important for, I think, everybody's well-being really to have some nourishing connections with others. And it doesn't need to be scary either. So I, for one, am part of a little group that runs a regular crop swap in Petone. You don't even need to bring anything from your garden. We have somebody, an elderly woman who lives in an apartment and she brings baking every month. And it's for her, it's like something she can contribute to a little um, event. Why do we have a month of it there? Why, why does sort of Neighbours Aotearoa exist as an organisation? Yeah, so initially Neighbours Aotearoa had a, it was called Neighbours Day, and it was about a day. But we found that it was having stuff just on a day kind of was a bit too too bottled down so this year it's based for a whole month and so the month is just and it doesn't even need to be intense things happening in the month of March so I'm actually planning an event for April because March is too busy for me <laughs> and it'll be a Neighbours Out our event but we just do a campaign in the month of March kind of encourage people to, to engage with the theme and kind of think up ideas and maybe use it as an excuse to connect with their neighbours that they feel they haven't really got to know very well. How can people then get involved? Because there is a, sort of a, there's a website to, to do things. So if you want to do yep. it officially, how, how do people do that? So if you head to the website, it's neighbourslt.nz. It's got a little thing that says get involved or and you can register your events with us. And there's a little button even there that you can say if you want to if you need some support from a connector, so then I will contact and help you out with your events or with resources. Um, there's also a lot of downloadable resources on the website as well. So if you need to have a template for a poster or you want to print off a little flyer, it is really cool little stickers that are really popular that Neighbours Aotearoa will send out to people. And they're just little round stickers and they're perfect to like put in a little bag of bickies or a jar of marmalade and those are available. You can just order them through the website as well. Hack activities, what sort of hack activities are showing themselves as happening? So there's quite a few. As we know, the Hutt Valley is full of community groups doing awesome things. Some of the community groups are using Neighbours Aotearoa just Neighbours Month just to kind of rally up and maybe invite new people into their groups. So one of those is Wesley Rata and in Nine Eyes. They do a community lunch and they're they've got one happening on March the fifteenth at twelve noon. And so they're gonna put that out to a broader invite a broader bunch of their neighbourhood on on that day. There's other things that are happening for so the crop swap that I already mentioned at the Petroni Depot, um, so that's happening this Saturday, the 4th at 10am, and so that's a special 
we're doing a special neighbours Aotearoa event for that one. And then I know I've heard of a couple of other groups who are just doing kind of little small things for the neighbours that are having a barbecue at their local kind of park. Yeah, things like that. Is the council sort of on board and doing anything? We've had a little bit of engagement with council, but at the moment there's not too much happening from the council end of things. Um, I'm hoping that that relationship will keep building and that we can really get like the council on board. Um, I know that Wellington City Council is, is very very active in the Neighbours Aotearoa space and they're hosting and supporting a whole lot of events around around Wellington and they've actually got a whole section of their Wellington City Council website. You can look up Neighbours Aotearoa on that and you it'll show you a list of all the Neighbours events all in Wellington suburbs. Yeah, but Hutt City Council haven't quite got engaged to that level. We've got fingers crossed for that one. What does your area as a local connector cover? So my area, I actually share my area with a, um, another connector, Amy, and she's based in Stokes Valley. So she is covering kind of Stokes Valley, Taita, Nainai, and I actually live in Patoni, so I'm sort of the lower end of the river, and she's the, yeah, further up the river. Is there an upper hut? Facilitator, so Amy's sort of patch doesn't go as far as Upper Hat by the sound yeah. of things. Yeah, she's branched out into Upper Hat a little bit just because she naturally kind of is involved in some community activities up there. But don't think there's an Upper Hut connector as such, but we are available to if they would like to, anybody in the Upper Hut area would like to contact us. So, how long okay. have, you, have you been involved with, with the program? So, I've been involved with Neighbours Aotearoa for this is my third year as a connector. Pre that I did host a bunch of events around the community venue uh, in Patoni for Neighbours Aotearoa. So we used to always do something in March. That was, and we did like a pancake breakfast one year and a gig. I think we did a community gig outside in the courtyard and got a lot of local musicians to play. So it's been involved for a while. <laughs> How did you first get involved then three years ago? Like what led to that? What led to that? Um, I kind of kept an eye out for Neighbours Aotearoa events and activities around the Hutt Valley. And then um, I actually saw a, a job on Do Good Jobs. I think they were, you know, they were advertising for a connector role and, and yeah, applied for that. And that's how I got here. <laughs> and because it, it's nationwide, as you're saying, so how do you work then with the Neighbours Aotearoa support team? What's the sort of the connection with the local connectors and, and head, off, head office, as it were? I think around Aotearoa there's, ooh, I think there's about 18 connectors in all various areas all around the country. So we actually have kind of regular Zoom meetings as a whole cluster, supporting each other and, and working and yeah, doing our mahi. And it's kind of an evolving thing because the last few years have obviously been very COVID affected. So mm. it's, yeah, this year kind of seems to be a little bit more, I guess, how it's probably going to roll for hopefully than a few years ahead. Yeah. What's the enjoyment that you get out of, of being a local connector? I love it, actually. I, I love, I get a lot of enjoyment out of, I guess, even meeting people who are passionate about doing community things in their areas. And so even if it's little things, like 
was approached by somebody who was just like making a whole lot of marmalade and they were like, I just want to share my marmalade with. And so I just kind of had to give them a few tips of how they could do that. And it's just, yeah, seeing meeting people all around the area that are really passionate about and believe in strong connections with their neighbours. And yeah, I love that. Any challenges in the role? It's a little bit challenging when you have, obviously, people don't always have good relationships with their neighbours. So it's, it's sometimes it's a bit challenging when people are uh, like, there's no way I'd want to even talk to my neighbour. Like, and so then you sort of, right, I find I have to remind people that actually it's, it's not just about your immediate neighbour to your house. It's about your work colleagues. It's about your going to the school fair down the road and like supporting them or... So it's the wider community. It's the wider community. Right. Like we don't have any neighbours, we don't have any prescribed an event must be this or an intention must be this. It's more just to find a way that you can connect with your neighbours and yeah, help you if you need with that. We're here to like be able to help with some resources, some online resources or use March as an excuse to make a cake and drop it off or use it as an excuse to share some zucchinis. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> yes, got a surplus of them at the moment. Very topical. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Your hub connections then, I mean, as I sort of acknowledged previously, you know, what was like five years ago that we were talking about mm. your uh, time at Patoni Depot. So what, what's your hub connections there, Ange? Yeah, I've um, lived in Patoni for 20 years, so um, that is my my neighbourhood. I have a group of us about 10 years ago started a place called Patoni Depot, which is a community venue, gallery and kitchen in Patoni. That's there for, we always say it's there for like enriching community activities, so we run this venue and we host open mics or on Fridays it's actually a koha cafe and various other activities happen there. I also have broader work in the Wellington area so I have a um, charity that I co-founded that works in Wellington called Seeds to Feeds um, which supports local communities around Wellington area around creating the food and connections and community gardens and building community around their local food. It's somehow all interconnected. Because <laughs> that's the seeds to feed. That's having a Tiaro March meeting for Aotearoa Neighbours Month as well, by the looks of things. Yes, so we've got a big event happening at Gulliver Park in um, Wellington on Saturday. And then we're actually up at Miramar Prison Gardens supporting the little group up there with an event that they're doing. Yeah, it's quite a busy weekend. <laughs> So finally, your message, Ange, to listeners about getting involved in the next steps, what would that sort of message be? Um, maybe find Neighbours Aotearoa on Facebook or Instagram or head to the website um, and just have a look and see if there's any ideas that spark things in you. Like, yeah, have a look there and and if you... There's information for how to get a hold of me, a connector, or Amy, the one um, from Stokes Valley. Keep an eye out for things happening around the area. Yeah, let's go from there. Neighbours need to 
other Next door is only a footstep away I'm John McDonald and you're in the Hut Zone on Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM and that was Ange Holtzlag talking about Let's Share in March for Neighbours Aotearoa Month. Now there's opportunities throughout the Hutt Valley to initiate or join in to a neighbourly event, big or small, and you can check the neighboursaotearoa.nz website or their Facebook and Instagram accounts for ideas and event listings. But sadly, that means it's the end of this week's show. A big thank you to all our guests today and a big thank you to you for listening to the show and supporting Wellington Access Radio. Now you can listen again to the show as a podcast on the Hutt's own pages of accessradio.org.nz or check out my Facebook page for links to some of the individual interviews and stories and my Facebook name is John McDonald NZ. If you have a suggestion of a Hut story or a piece of musical poetry then please do message us either on Facebook or email the team and our email is thehutzone at outlook.co.nz. Do join me again next Thursday in the Hut Zone show. Until then, keep safe and let's go out with some local music. Here's Eastern Bay's Miles Calder and the Rumours with Louise. Hari Ra. Thought you had the summer off to dance Share the sun with friends and maybe our own man Six dollars, thirty-five an hour
That programme was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.